Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Logan Clements. And in this week's episode, we are talking about crafting events for the younger generation with our guest, AJ Steinberg. This is a really fun discussion where AJ talks about it a lot from the lens of her experience with nonprofit events, but she's got some key takeaways that I think you can take as a planner, a producer, or even an event vendor if you're just looking to engage more with the younger generation like Gen Z at your events, which honestly, that should be all of us as a millennial here. I definitely learned a few things. It also helped me reflect on what my own habits are as a millennial and think about that maybe some of them are a little bit more generationally based than maybe individual based. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week at the Better Events Podcast. We are so excited to be with you today and with our guest, and we will get into the episode shortly all about crafting events for younger generations with AJ Steinberg. But before we get into it, um, we are going to pass it over to Logan to give our introduction of our guest. Thanks, Mary. Yes, AJ Steinberg is a professional nonprofit event planner based in Los Angeles. For over 20 years, she has created successful fundraising events and raised millions of dollars for her clients. She is also a certified fundraising executive and a recognized topic expert in nonprofit event planning, event sponsorships, and generational engagement. AJ, welcome. Is there anything you'd like to add to your introduction? Really glad to be here. Thank you, Mary and Logan. No, that was pretty. I mean, we summed it all up in one paragraph. That's great. <laughs> and AJ, we like to do a little bit of like why well, we asked our guests so that listeners can kind of have a little bit more context. And so um, I was telling AJ before this that I have attended some of her webinars that were pre-COVID or maybe it was just like right on the cusp of COVID. But when I was employed previously, I was an event coordinator and I was just trying to learn more about fundraising events. And so I attended some of her webinars and I've stayed um, on your email list since then. And so this was a fun kind of like we got re-engaged a little bit. And then when you mentioned that this is a topic that you talk about, we were like, oh my gosh, we need to talk about this on the podcast. So we're so excited that you're here. So thank you again having me. We can start with just like, we like to set the basis and learn a little bit more about you to start. And so can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in event planning? Sure. Uh, Like many people, I started event planning sort of by accident. Many of us who get in the business know that people are saying, you're so good at parties, you should do this for a living. And after a while, I just gave in. And that was about 1999. So things were really different back then. That was when dinosaurs were walking the earth and there were no computers really. So we actually used pen and paper as we talked about generational change. We did not have online platforms. We didn't have CRMs or donor management bases. There is a lot that has changed, but I think that that's why this is a great topic is having been in this realm for over 20 years and being seeing the change in technology and availability and communication styles, I think it it really has influenced what I do in my trainings because I want people to do it right 
and you all know you you've seen it. any event planner out there no matter where you're based you have seen the problems of trying to shift events that are dying because they just don't appeal to the younger generation so we need to pay attention to what we're doing and how we're doing it yeah that's so important and i am we're, we're very grateful to have you here on the podcast to talk to our listeners more about it um if you don't mind first defining what you mean when you say younger generations, and then share with us what inspires you about crafting events for younger generations. That's a great place to start. So the greatest generation, as we know, are the people who are literally dying out. So I'm a fundraising executive, the CFRE, and I look at this through a fundraising lens. The greatest generation I don't even know what year they, they start at. They're like 19, they're like 1900 to 1946. They're in their 80s, they're in their 90s, and these are the major donors. If you're a fundraising person, you know that this is where a lot of your donor base wealth was centered. And what's happening now is we're having um, so that's the greatest generation. Let's do the generations first. The next generation are the baby boomers, and that's 1946 to 1964. And those are the people that really would have inherited all this money from the greatest generation, except the gen greatest generation is living far longer than any other generation before. So this wealth shift that's happening is now also going to hit Generation Y, which is also known as millennials. Millennials are 1980 to 1994, and they were the youngsters when I started. We were all talking about how to engage you darn millennials uh, because suddenly you are savvy on technology and you don't do paper invitations. You do e-bites, and now we do text. And so that is millennials. Then there's Generation Z, and believe it or not, Generation Z is dollar per dollar for what they have, they're the most generous of all the generations, which we would not have known, but they are born 1995 to 2009. And Generation Z has a lot of different things that they're interested in. And uh, they don't have that same interest in the arts and the Philharmonic and museums. So this greatest generation that's dying out their money is going to the baby boomers, millennials, and Gen Zs. And so we have to really consider how to engage Generation Z, the youngsters, as we call them, so that they continue to support arts because that's not their passion. So we can talk about all that. So does that make sense to you? We have, and then of course, there's a new one we just were talking about. It's called Generation Alpha. It's so cute. It's a little new baby generation. It's from 2010 to 2024 present. So the little babies, they're generation alpha and uh, probably should start paying attention to them now too, if you're a fundraiser. Definitely. And when we're talking about crafting these events for these younger generations, um, what do you think are some of the key elements that appeal to some of these younger attendees to get them to want to come? Well, first of all, to get them to want to come, you need to ask their opinion. This is something that really doesn't happen a lot is that the board who is all in their 50s, 60s and 70s of these nonprofits are deciding they want younger people and they put together an event and then it has no appeal to the younger people because they never asked somebody in their 20s and 30s what they want. And so you want to get the opinion of somebody who is the target demographic, the millennials or the Generation Zs that you want to attend. 
Usually they want something that's less structured, definitely not a gala. They can't afford a ticket to a gala. Tickets are expensive to galas because that's what it costs to put them on. They do not want to sit and be talked at. They do not want to have stuffy things. For younger generations, my favorite thing is I like to do an introductory free happy hour where we just say, hey, come to a happy hour and at a brewery. And I'll tell you a great story about this in a second. So you do a happy hour where people come. It's usually, if you want family people to come, parents, it's best to do it on a Saturday night. If not, if you want somebody who's more young professionals, a Thursday night is perfect. And you just have two hours and it's literally just go to a wine bar, a brewery, get a kind of private space. And then you have a five minute presentation. That's it. QR codes at the ready because you have this great presentation about your organization click the QR codes and that's it. So that is the perfect introduction because once you get the younger people's email addresses and texts and phone numbers captured, they're in your database. That's when you start the relationship building as a fundraiser, Mary knows this, is that it's all about building relationships. So that's a great starting point. And remember that these younger generations are not always going to be young. I'm sorry, girls, just hate to tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> but what's gonna happen is they're going to start to mature and their careers paths will mature and their wealth bracket will go up. So when you start engaging donors at a younger age bracket with $10 a month is my favorite entry. It's like my sweet spot. It's like be a $10 a month donor who doesn't love that, which means every month you're engaged. But when they start like that, they're already building what we call affinity as a professional fundraiser, it's called affinity. They start building an affinity for your organization. They already know you, they feel a part of your team. And then as they become more and more wealthy, you just change the events to fit their pocketbook and what their capacity is to give to, give to you. Does that make sense? Yes. I, do you want to hear a really sad, not sad, it's, a, it's kind of a, Tough story because I'm in the middle of it. We don't know how the end of the story is going to happen. Okay. That beautiful millennial event, I'm on the board of an organization in San Diego, small organization, and I'm friends with the 85-year-old founder. She got me on the board. Everybody on the board is old. Their support base is all old people. So, of course, I got younger people on the board. I got two younger people. Planned the events, as I always do, for a young you know, a young emerging group and then a gala and then this. So we're in the midst, the next Thursday night, we're doing a leap year happy hour for this younger group at a brewery, super popular brewery, super great venue overlooking the ocean. It's a Thursday night, it's leap year, it's six to eight, perfect, right? Except that the 85 year old founder and the other 85 year old board members suddenly start to say, oh my goodness, it's outside. It's going to be very cold. I said, no problem. Space heaters. I got 24 fleece blankets. It's going to be so cool. It's really badly lit. My friends are in like, it's not for your friends. Don't even invite your friends. And go, my goodness, can we get a golf cart? Because it's a really long walk from the parking lot. It's like, it's really hard to find it. It's a warehouse. My friends would just think it's very unattractive. I'm like, no, no, no. It's not for you. It's not for you. Do you mind if we have 
tablecloths with our logo. It's like, don't, no tablecloths. We don't do tablecloths. So I have no idea how this is going to turn out. It's like battle of the generations. It's like, how can I keep the hand? I, I figure there's probably only like six, well, maybe there's more of these older people, but it's like, how do I make them feel comfortable and happy at this event when everyone else is going to be like, we love this brewery and, you know, does that make sense? It's like, I have no idea how this will turn out, but they shouldn't be involved. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear how it ends. I think you're also like, for me, it's, you're making me reflect on as a millennial. Yes. Like what are my, when, what has spurred me to donate to certain causes? And I, I feel like I have many a time had a brewery. <laughs> they've, they've had some kind of activation or, or something that you're, you know, I, we've been a part of, cause it's, it is, it's a very soft sell and that does, I guess that is attractive to my generation, not just me, um, versus going and sitting and hearing a two hour program, uh, kind of format. Agreed. I love that you said that you've seen it and it's worked. It's just for me, I'm thinking, how am I going to take these two generations and make yeah. this successful for both? Because we have major donors who are coming, which I never would have invited. I told them not to invite, but you can't uninvite them. So for me, my solution as an event planner, I'm always thinking, how are we going to make these people feel comfortable and welcome, even though it's not for them? So what I'm doing is I'm putting a reserve. There's picnic table benches type thing, kind of cool wooden benches. I'm putting a reserve sign on one of the long tables. I'll put the tablecloth on there. I'm going to have the fleece blankets beautifully laid out over the things. I'm going to bring them their drinks instead of making them go. So I'm going to make it a VIP table because then they'll feel that this is very special. We'll put 17 space heaters right there and they'll feel they're listened to and attended to. We did get up one golf cart to drive them up and down the little thing. But you can't just say, it's not for you. I'm not even going to, you know, it's like, just don't show up. You can't say that as an event planner. You know that we have to attend to that. That is, I'm like Logan said, I'm really interested to hear how it turns out. So do keep us posted. But uh, you've kind of mentioned some of these, but what would you say are like other mis like common misconceptions about these younger demographics when planning an event? Like what should we really look out for? Um, Yeah. When we're, when we're doing this. Yeah. And I know that we were talking earlier about the near impossibility of taking an existing event and integrating younger people into it. Like, oh, we'll just invite younger people to sit on our committees and to have these events. That is not going to work to your benefit because what's going to happen is you're going to have like a cage match between each generation. And there's a fear factor. I call it the fear factor. And I, I do this when I do my trainings is the older people see the younger people coming into their committee and they've already been working on this event. It's their legacy their signature on it and suddenly these new ideas are coming in and it makes them feel fear of their legacy being erased it's going to give them a fear that they're not relevant anymore and it's going to give them a fear that they're going to be dismissed by these people who are judging them the fear factor for the younger people is that they're going to have to deal with these people who have no idea about how to open a pdf and they have a fear factor that they're not going to be listened to. And they have a fear factor for your organization that you're not going to change to meet their needs. And they will take their ball and go. They're, those people leave after one round. It's really important 
that you invest time to interview younger people who are your target demographic, probably who are already supporting you and say, how are we going to grow our support base? So you as an avatar are who we're attracting. Ask their opinion, find out what they like, because obviously Logan likes breweries. She's been there, she's had fun, she's donating. So that's a great time to start engaging them and giving them some ownership. When you ask people their opinion, it gives them ownership of what's going to come. Then you say, who else, who's your friend, would you like on this committee? Give them their own event that they have designated as something that appeals to them and their peers. Give them their own committee. Give them ownership of this event. Let them create it and let them, you know, you'll still have to do the work, but it's their vision. It's absolutely stunning how that really will start engaging younger generations. You're taking it where you come from. The older generations, that event is seriously going to die out. And that's it. There, there is going to be a mortality to these events where the 80-year-olds have not wanted to change on it. There will always be galas because as Gen Zs and millennials age and get more wealth, they will want to have that experience of rarefied air of wealthy people sitting in a room celebrating all the impact that they've done. So that's not going to go away. But what you're doing is you're engaging the younger generation and you're shepherding this young, younger demographic to be well high net worth donors later. I still think alphas, these babies, if you can get these kids when they're in elementary school and let them know you can put your pennies in this little milk bottle and give it to cystic fibrosis or something, why not? It's never too early. I did my first fundraiser at 10, so. There you go. <laughs> Kids can do it. Anyway, that was a long-winded answer. And communications is to really engage. You have to understand that the older generations will not, some of them don't answer emails. Some of them don't. But the older generation will not answer texts. Younger generations barely glance at emails. So how we communicate them with them, that's super important because we need to get the messaging out in the proper vehicle that they're actually paying attention to. Yeah, you're talking about communication, but I feel like too, just thinking for the gener the younger generation, there's that rise of digital distractions. I feel like you know, a critique you always hear. I felt like I heard it from millennials, but you're hearing for Gen Z is that their attention span is is shorter. Like how how do you when you think about event design, like how do your events capture and maintain that attention of those younger attendees? When it comes to just these happy hours, it's a five to 10 minute presentation. That's it. Just enough to say and get their attention. This is it. It's like everyone's having fun. This is for any event, for all of you people in the world who know events, is that when you start talking, people aren't listening. You have to do something to get their attention first. Uh, next Thursday, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be, whoa, a toast. Get everyone's attention. Let's raise a toast. Probably I'll say, let's raise a toast. I want to do two toasts. The first one is to you for being here, for being a part of this amazing community of young people who not only enjoy each other, but are here to support Art Bus Express. Then I want to say a second toast to this check for $3,000 that were being handed by this restaurant who chose us out of all of San Diego. You know, so that's the reason. Why did they choose us? I'll tell you. I'm going to give them five minutes. For a gala, and this is super important, is you need 
it doesn't matter if you're young or old, galas are boring people because nobody puts thought, very few people put thought into the story craft of the stage program. From the stage program, from when you say hello to goodbye, should never be more than an hour to an hour and a half. You should have no support. You do not need other people's children singing at you, right? I'm just telling you, if you are just having random, hey, I have a band. It's like, I'm sorry that you have a band. I'm sure it's a great Eagles cover band. We don't, it's not adding to the storyline of your event. My events raise millions of dollars because it's not the size of the organization per se. I mean, that helps, but we maximize the revenue because we start, we use donor-centric language. Donor-centric language means the person who is the hero of this organization's story is the donor, the guest in the room. Because of you, we're bringing goats to women in Uganda. Because of you, girls are getting to have scholarships here. So donor-centric language, suddenly they're interested to hear about how awesome they are, not just that you're so awesome. We quickly, we give them time to eat at galas. We do not talk at them. We give them a 45 minute break right at the beginning. That's how we sequence it. And then we engage them with storytelling and usually we'll have a theme. So the theme of my one in September that I just had a meeting for is legacy because we have older donors, but their kids and grandkids live in, still live in the area. And we're going to actually do a video where we videotape just with a little handheld you know, your phone, the little grandkids and their children walking through the boys and girls club that has their name on it. So getting the experience of your, your grandma, this is her name, this is your name, and walking them so they can see it. And that will be right before a paddle raise to say, this is about legacy. So we're engaging the younger generations and tying it into the diminishing older generation. I love that connection. I think that's a really, really good example. And how would you say, um, I'm really curious on your answer on this, how do you stay updated with the current trends or like preferences among these younger demographics to ensure that your events are remaining relevant? What do you personally do? I talk to you. I ask. <laughs> because I know that I, I always say this, I am not my target demographic ever. I am not a person who would once, my husband would never go to a gala with me. I have to go by myself. I'm not a person who dresses up and likes to sit for four hours at a gala. You know, that I'm not the target demographic. So we always ask the people who are the target demographic. I think that's important. And as I said before, when you do ask those questions about how to be relevant, you're going to be educated and you're going to be engaging these people, these younger people in wanting to help you to put on this event. They'll have ownership of it. Yeah, I feel like a question comes to mind for me when you're talking about one of these challenges is, is convincing stakeholders the value of these younger generations uh, whether you're dealing with a board or a client and when you're, you know, your suggestion there of like bring younger folks on the board, give them their own event. I think in my head, I was like, instantly, I was like, oh, does that mean more money? Do you need to then raise more money to have this funding for multiple events versus trying to put them in your event? I'd like, what, what's your advice for someone who's just looking to get like stakeholder buy-in on why this is so important? Space for support, super important. I don't think when you, I'm pretty brutal. I will go into a board meeting and I'll say, I want you to look around here. How old do you think that we are? You know, the, the general, because usually the boards who make the decision are old. That's part of the problem. 
then we have a discussion and say, let's, because you know that you won't always be here. There's a generational shift. And by 2030, there's 73, like 70, $730 trillion of inherited wealth that's going to shift. So the question is, where is your money going to go? And if you want your legacy to stay here, let's talk about how to do that. It's with younger people. So you have to show people, you have to remind people, unfortunately, brutally, that in 20 years, you're not going to be sitting here. But we want the organization to continue on. Let's talk about how that happens. And how that happens is by bringing in younger supporters at a lower level and shepherding them through the stewardship cycle. That is easier said than done because people, they'll say, yeah, let's get some young people in here, but they don't want to sit at these board meetings with them. They don't, they don't, aren't very friendly or inclusive. So what we've been trying to do is doing emerging leaders is just one word for it. Or, you know, a new gen, new gen is another next gen, new gen emerging leaders. You start a separate board because I'm really big and it's like a training wheels board for the big board because once in a while they'll they'll interact maybe once or twice a year you'll have a mixer where both boards get in there and meet each other so by the time that you do have people who are either passing away or moving away which happens with older generations they already know the younger the next gen group and say wouldn't you know vita be great to bring in to to be on the board so it 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 takes thought and it's a process. It's not just like you're going to snap your fingers. Yeah, definitely. I have been part of our local um, association of fundraising professionals, and we're on the. We're, I'm just part of like the emerging. Um, I, yeah, I think we're called emerging professionals. So around that emerging leaders phrase, and it's been really eye opening. And before, when I've served on boards, it's been like really overwhelming coming in. I've been like the young professionals chair and I just feel like really out of place in that, in that kind of dynamic, or at least I previously had. So I really love the idea that you're saying of like working together, but like kind of merging them when it makes sense, but still having like the space for them to get used to it and create ideas. Yeah. And I would say you should have an influencer in both groups, have a young influencer and older influence, get them together separately and talk about the, get them excited about the prospect of at some point, there'll be some morphing of one to the other. It'll be a fluid (laughs) stream. Because if you have one person who's really on board with it, who the other people respect, they can really sway things for people. Where, what AFP chapter are you? I'm in AFP South Sound. So in like the Tacoma, Washington area. Are you going to ICON? Not this year. I've been before. I hope to go 2025. Are, I'm assuming <laughs> you will be there. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm doing an entire full day workshop. Oh my God. So this is like eight hours of AJ. I'm bored even thinking of having to listen to myself for eight hours, but no, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's really good. So and it's this is what it is, the, the future of events. This is what we're talking about, how to create events that resonate. And I am going to touch on how to actually improve the events you're doing because that's who my passion, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. But yeah, I'm sorry that you didn't. See, you have all sorts of ideas now. You can go okay. forward with. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all it's all about learning, and I love the idea of like collaborating uh, across the generations. So I think that's a really good food for thought for me. And your and collaborations then, uh, is is right. I have to put you that I I just yeah. put together three nonprofits who in San Diego to do one event because younger people know about collaboration and that is your your superpower for the millennials 
is, uh, is you can collaborate and you know, and you're willing to. I love that idea. Actually, that's super intriguing to me about combining into one event. So, huh? Yeah. Partnership collaboration. We, I would say we're all about that. We talk about it on the podcast all the time. It's definitely a keyword for us. Um, and so for other people who are listening, uh, what advice do you have for them if they are looking to create more of these meaningful and memorable experiences for this audience that we're talking about? What can they do or start to do to kind of craft their events in this way? I think that if you're going to craft your events, you first of all have to figure out what your goals are. This is a problem. People think we're going to have a gala and we're going to raise money or we're going to have this and we're going to raise money. That isn't really the case for support for having an event. An event should be you're raising money. What are you raising money for? What impact will it have? Who do you want to have as your stakeholders in this event to work with you? How are we going to find value in this event to create value for sponsors? Because I am all over sponsorships. So when you think in advance about all these things and like the legacy, what is the story arc that we're going to use? I get chills. Every time I say certain things, it's like, oh, I know that's such a good idea. Um, that story arc is, is so important to explaining, that's my dog whining out there, explaining about you, you're making a case for this event every time you try and bring on a committee member. You have to get your board engaged, right? So by having this real big picture about these events, you'll understand who's going to come. You'll be able to get your board excited because they don't have confidence in a lot of, you know, I call it grumpy board syndrome. Having an event, I'm tired of asking my friends to come. I'm tired of asking my friends to give. So I think my advice is really do a deep dive and make a case for support for this event. Find your target demographic and then get stakeholders in that age bracket to come on board. Talk to them about what that story arc will be, what really excites them. And then don't spend a hundred hours on your silent option because that's just shopping. It does nothing to move your organization forward. It's a waste of time and effort. Have a few items, fine. Spend your time crafting your stage program minute by minute to have a story arc and to be amazing and compelling. And the most important part is that speech or that video or whatever comes right before the paddle raise. That's my suggestion. Yeah, I also think of one from our listeners. I want to make sure they know that you mentioned that not every event has to be, you know, the the perfect kind of event for one for all generations. That you can have one. You're, you're saying not to exclude anyone, like your event that's happening next week. Other people can come, but just knowing it, maybe it's not meant for them. I'm I'm a volunteer with a, an alumni group for my university, and we've struggled with how do we get the older generation to come to some of our events, and we've had to learn that there's some events that our younger generation just wants like a bar, a watch party at a bar to cheer on our basketball team. And you're not going to get someone older, but we did a, an event in a park and we had uh, a woman who graduated back in the seventies come by and she said, Oh, cause it was outside. I felt you know comfortable and I could just stop by and, and talk. And it was easy for me. And it was like, okay, that's an event that, you know, gets her in, but we're not necessarily going to stop doing the other events because there is a need, but just knowing we need to have different events that appeal to different people. If we're trying to get that full coverage. Right. I always say three events. One is the high net worth event, which could be for your older generations. The second is the mid-level event, which could be $50 to $100 opt-in, a wine tasting, something like that. And then this free event, which would be anybody can come, you have your target market demographic, and then that's 
that's who comes. Yeah, I think that that's smart. And Mother's Day teas, great from intergenerational, like if you're going to do a luncheon for Mother's Day or something with mothers and daughters. Fashion shows where the all age brackets are the models who are like your sorority. Great way to bring in generational people. People will come because they know somebody who's in it. There's lots of creative things that you can do. Amazing. We could, AJ, we could keep talking to you forever, but is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners about working with and engaging the younger generation? It's a process. Look at it as a process and an opportunity. Events are an opportunity to engage your supporters to the people much more. So in person, the guests, you're engaging them in a meaningful manner, which is much different than doing it online. But also anybody who's on your committees is going to be much more have a stronger affinity for your organization. So you're building relationships. So I always say events are, are opportunities. That's what they are. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing so many great tips and tricks with us today. If listeners want to follow along with you or see what else you're up to, where can they find you? You can find me on Queen Bee Fundraising. It's uh, www, if we don't even have to say that anymore, but it's queenbeefundraising.com. And uh, you can always shoot me, give me a buzz at aj at queenbeefundraising.com. I answer all my emails. Amazing. Thank you so much, AJ, for being here. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. And that brings us to our bonus tip this week, which Mary, you have. I do. So as you know, our bonus tips are sometimes completely unrelated to our topic. And today, this one is so random and so very specific. So just bear with me. But I thought it was good. And some of you might as well. So um, if you have a Trader Joe's near you, which we know a lot of listeners don't. So send this to your friends who do. But if you have a Trader Joe's with you, I was just told that they you can pre-order $16 orchids that are really great. They're like medium-sized orchids that are great for centerpieces for events. And so you can call your local Trader Joe's, pre-order this so you can get them in bulk, many, many, like if you need, you know, 90 for a really large event and you need them for your centerpieces. Um, they're beautiful. They're simple. They're cheap. If you're in a rut and you're near Trader Joe's, that's my bonus tip for you today. Thank you, Mary, with our floral-based bonus tip this week. That brings us to the end of our episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com or visit our website, bettereventspod.com. And as always, you can connect with Mary and I directly on LinkedIn. We seriously love hearing from you and get back to all of you that reach out. So we appreciate you for listening, and we'll be back in your feeds again next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.